0: all oh.
1: Welcome to episode 86
0: of Honestly Unbalanced. This week, we're chatting to Sarah Titcher. If you follow any yogis on Instagram, chances are she is one of those yogis you follow. Uh, She's a yoga teacher, a meditation teacher, a speaker, an author. She's been teaching yoga for eight years and practicing for over a decade. Uh, She's taken the Instagram yoga world, the Austrian yoga world, and beyond by storm. She has her own app, Uh, An online studio, the SATI studio, S-A-T-I, and hosts teacher trainings and continuing education courses around the world. Her intention as a teacher and author is to guide her students into the hidden corners of their bodies, minds and hearts so that they can become their happiest, healthiest and most wholesome self in this conversation we cover lots of different bases we talk about how Sarah first made it big on social media and how her priorities with that has changed and how she uses it has changed we talk about marketing yourself as a yoga teacher which really applies to anyone who's self-employed and trying to put themselves out there we talk about the power of journaling and what would happen if men journaled a little bit more how Sarah uses her background in movement and pushing her own practice to build her mental strength Uh, How to build safe, intentional barriers between students and teachers. And what else grounds server that isn't yoga? As always, our episode is sponsored by some amazing companies that we love. Lifeform is one of them. Lifeform make pretty much the best yoga mats in the world. And code HUSTLER10, H-U-S-L-E-R-10, all caps, will get you 10% off all of their mats. they just released... I think two or three more colors uh, they're on the way to us i can't wait to give them a spin uh, also viva barefoot i've i've worn these shoes then stopped wearing them then realized i needed them and have started wearing them again now so i've had a long-term relationship with viva barefoot if you don't know what they are they're essentially the barefoot shoes that are designed to simulate interacting with the world as if you were barefoot but they keep you safe and they keep your feet dry uh i wear them like all the time now when i'm climbing uh in the surrey hills which i don't really think you can call it climbing <laughs> but when i'm walking the surrey hills uh, i wear their boots which fold up nicely into a bag i wear their trainers pretty much day to day and them also my favorite gym shoes as well uh, so my favorites are the, their trail shoes they're trainers, but with amazingly good grip, uh, kind of water resistant and just perfect for just day to day life. Love them. But yeah, code Hustler VB, all caps, will get you 10% off Vivo Barefoot. And my other favourite brand that I'm wearing pretty much every day is Colourful Standard. I wear their oversized sweatshirt, their oversized tracksuit bottoms and their oversized t-shirts, a bit of a trend there. Uh, And they do like every color in the world, non-branded, amazing quality, good for the planet. That's colorful standard and code Adam Hustler, all caps always, Adam Hustler CS10 will give you 10% off their gear. And if you do want to join Holly and I in person, of course we do different events and I teach lots of classes. But we have some special events Partnership partnering with Frameless Gallery in London. It's the biggest permanent interactive art space in the UK. And a few Sunday mornings this year, I'll be teaching yoga. Holly will be teaching a sound journey in the most ridiculously incredible space if you head to my website or my instagram you'll see some photos of it and you'll be able to book but yeah i think four more sundays this year you'll find us there right you now guys go and enjoy this episode take care
1: honestly sarah i was
0: i was stalking you as you do, and i i found an article that you had amazingly Six thousand followers on social media. This was an article in the UK Daily Mail. Like it was, it was like going back in time. And it's like, oh my god, she has six thousand yoga followers on social media, and she's doing inversions not on a yoga mat. And it was like this world, world, like amazing article. So well done. I just want to say it's a bit belated, but well done getting six thousand followers.
2: so first of all that article is an article i always hope nobody will discover (laughs) it (laughs) through this podcast it's going to reemerge again (laughs) um but yeah that that happened that happened and um i don't know if it still says yoga fanatic (laughs) does yoga in the streets of vietnam but that was the original title and it was yeah and a it's, funny, funny time in it, my yoga career. <laughs> it says
0: that you created the phrase yoga off the mat.
2: <laughs> Maybe she did. I don't know. I don't know. I've been like, that was kind of how I branded myself at the time. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but, this is what I um, started to do as a form of creative expression, just taking pictures of yoga poses, which I found very aesthetically pleasing. And I, I like photography. I like creativity. So combining that with movement, and then at the time I lived in Vienna, and Vienna is basically like a Disneyland. It's just beautiful. Mm. So I would uh, find different spots in the city, and then on my little tripod, mm-hmm. take some photos. Do you feel timer? Do you feel photos. differently now
1: about the way you take photos? Fast forward, however long ago that was. How many was 12, years was ago? Twenty sixteen. 12... I thought you were going to say 20 years ago. I thought, God, how old is she? Yeah, that was 20 years ago. (laughs) How
2: have your your feelings around... Yoga is the fountain of youth. (laughs) What's your secret?
1: Oh, my God, yoga. Um, Yeah, how do you feel about taking photos now and the aesthetics of yoga? How have your feelings around that changed, if at all?
2: Mm, It has changed quite a lot. So I would say back then, um, I was more... I'd more inspired to to create content like that um to express myself creatively through yoga photography and over time now it shifted into more being focused on teaching yoga so right now i would say i enjoy taking photos here and there um spontaneously in the city uh when there is a good friend. Usually I prefer taking photos with friends because I can relax nicely and it's just a fun hangout. So Mm -hmm. if that is the option, then I like to take uh, creative yoga photos, but mostly at the at the moment, it's more functional Mm -hmm. um, as a way of I know that social media and um, being part of social media platforms is how a yoga teacher markets themselves. So I take it as that. yeah, it's still fun, but I would say back then it was it was more my passion. Now it's more focused on teaching yoga and organizing retreats and trainings.
0: Yeah, but I think it's I think what's good to see is how long you've been doing it for. Mm. In the you know I, I, with social media, you know I don't think social media makes someone a good teacher, but equally it doesn't make them a bad teacher. It's not related. It's it's not related things. things.
2: It's not related, really like, exactly. It's,
0: it's, just, it's just one form of marketing, like flyers or videos or business cards. It's yeah. just another form of marketing. But it just shows that actually, you know, people like you've put in a lot of hard work over many years. Like you started it, well, that article was 2016. I'm guessing you probably started it 2014. So not only have you been teaching yoga for a very long time, but actually you've been working hard. And, you know, if you think every year how much time you put into social media, as in not being on it scrolling, yeah. but creating good quality content, that's mm-hmm. really significant. And
2: connecting with the audience, mm-hmm. building a community as well.
0: Like it's hard work. It's really, it's hard work, isn't yeah. It?
2: it? Yeah, yeah. I, and I always like now, sorry, <laughs> did you want to say no, something? No, 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 carry on. Yeah, now that I teach teachers trainings and uh, many people also on social media ask me how do I... Uh, yeah, how do I market myself? How do I find clients? And I always say, social media is one channel that is available to you. And if you wish to find and reach more people, um, you just need to put some work into it, or get some help from somebody. So that, uh, you know, it's not all new. Uh, because it's a process that also, you need to learn, you need to mm-hmm. learn, you need to find out what works, how to navigate in those waters. So, Um, but it's a part of teacher's job Mm -hmm. if they wish to do it like that, if they want to be self-employed, because you can also be teaching at a yoga studio, and then the yoga studio finds clients for you if you're, Mm. you know. That's what I did also for years at the beginning, teaching at studios, and they would take care of bringing the clients in. But as I wanted to make myself more independent and wanted to teach and travel, then social media is, I think, a platform that or a place it opens many doors I think and gives many opportunities.
0: I think to any teachers listening, especially newer teachers, you, I guess you have to ask yourself what you want to do with social media. Because if, if you want to teach in your community, like your local community in a small suburb of Vienna, let's say, you don't need massive numbers. You just need to connect to the people that are likely mm. to come to your class. The reason to get big numbers is either because you want to be an influencer which might not be worth it, mm-hmm. or because you want to, like you do, like internationally travel and captivate an audience all over the world. But the average yoga teacher doesn't need that really. They just need to connect Mm-mm. to their community, their local community. It, it all depends on context. Can you speak a little bit about how you've kind of adapted your social media? We just stay on that topic for a little bit longer because it's changed a lot, hasn't it, in the last year? It used yeah, to be yeah, that yeah, you could yeah. put a photo on. Like my strategy was i do a photo shoot every month or two and then put them all on Dropbox and just sit, basically sit on a toilet, <laughs> pick a random <laughs> photo out from some... Because <laughs> each, each shoot had 100 photos and I'd just keep changing the shoot and just write something about asana or about philosophy or like, and then that would be it. And I'd get like 2,000 likes. And was, yeah. mm, now Good you,
2: times. <laughs> yeah.
0: Now it's really hard. You have to like be creating and filming and videos do far better. And in fact, I, I put a photo on yesterday with actually some really lovely text, and it got maybe four hundred mm. likes. And and you know, but my followers yeah. keep going up. But in terms of likes, down. And so, what are your yeah. thoughts on how you've adapted?
2: Um, yeah, it, it's changed over time, uh, as more and more people join social media platforms, and also as the. The direction of each platform changes a little bit because, for example, even Instagram was at the beginning photo sharing platform, then it wanted to be more like Musical.ly or TikTok or Snapchat or whatever else there was or is right now. Um, It's changing and things that worked back then don't work quite as much anymore. I noticed quite a big shift during COVID. Um, More people were spending time online because that's how we were connecting with each other since we... uh, were limited in the in-person, in-person contact with other people. Um, and then after it got more free and everything went back to normal, uh, so to say, people started using social media less and less, which I, that's at least how I feel people Mm. spend less time there than they did during those two years. So on one hand, it's good. On the other hand, um, you as a creator have to be more creative, (laughs) Mm. more creative and more flexible um it definitely is important to watch those trends yeah like if if you wish to reach more people uh, and be in the be exposed to more people then it is important or a good idea to watch the trends Mm -hmm. and i also believe the second important part is having substantial build behind the social media presence, because you don't want to be just like, why are you influencing? What are you influencing, you know, Mm. and as a yoga teacher, what it is? What is the core message that you wish to share? What do you have to lean against? If that makes sense? Mm. What is supporting that which you do? Because if it's just wanting to create nice content and reach people, then I think it can be, it can feel quite unsafe Mm -hmm. because you, it's difficult to predict right now in which way it will go. But if you already have something that backs you up and has your back, um, whether it be clientele that you teach in person or uh, projects that you run that are maybe connected to social media somehow, but not completely reliant on Mm. that, it's what is important. Yes, that's important. what I found out for myself. And you did a lovely post
1: recently uh, about coming back to your why and, you know, why things are important to you and having a purpose and intention behind what you do. And I love everything to do with intention and I find it so powerful. But I think a lot of people kind of skip that part out. Um, so I'd love to know what your thoughts are about intention, how it can impact your yoga practice, but also your life as well.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh Definitely. <laughs> very important to know why you're doing things. I found for myself that, especially after a couple of years of teaching yoga and being in the business, I got more oriented on where I was going and less focused on why I was choosing to pursue those goals or go in that direction. Mm. And then as things were shifting also on social media, but in my life and professionally as well, I noticed that um, it's just... I felt some blocks, some resistance. It just would not um, run smoothly. And I couldn't figure out why is it not going that way because I was um, progressing personally, professionally at a certain pace for a certain amount of years. And suddenly it was hitting more of a rough patch. And thankfully I hit that rough patch because I through that realized that I'm going somewhere, but I don't really know why I'm going there. Mm. And is it really where I want to go? Or am I going there just because I've been going in that direction for Mm. some time. So that made me that was last summer, it was my (laughs) big rethinking uh, moment when I had to think about a lot about my why and, and the purpose, and how I define success, not in terms of money, but I think everybody wants to be successful, you want to be like what does success mean? Um, it has this positive charge, the mm-hmm. word success. Mm-hmm. Um, it means that you've been doing something in alignment with your values. It just feels like it's coming from a place of integrity mm. and um, and it influences and impacts positively also the world around you that is success. And I had to rethink my my idea of success. How do I want to be successful? and why do i want to be successful in that way and why so once i, I answered those questions for myself and um and shifted and realigned some things suddenly i knew that maybe i need to go a bit different way but it felt like a more healthy place mm. to be going from and what, mm, so I love that but, that's so beautifully articulated. And
0: is is that when you moved, you moved country?
2: Uh no.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: no. No. <laughs> uh I moved to countries uh I think 2019 I moved from Vienna to Czech Republic. Okay. So this was but it, you know it's every couple of years it comes this um <laughs> uh, needs to redo rethink the way you're doing things in life but this was my latest biggest um mental shift at least and that was last summer um i was still in in prague at that time
0: how did you how did you process that like i know you journal like how do when when Mm -hmm. you're making a change like that or evaluating do you have a particular process you follow or questions you ask yourself
2: um it is important to ask myself questions but i don't i don't have specific questions i i ask myself um this particular moment, or last summer, it was a lot about allowing myself to just hit the low point. So just not resisting going low in terms of my feelings and and emotions and accepting that accepting that I am not successful how I want it to be and just being honest with myself. Um, in those months. so that's the first part just being completely honest and letting everything go through me and letting myself go through everything <laughs> that i'm going through not resisting not trying to be brave or be strong when i don't feel brave or strong just fully honest with me like now we are hitting a low spot and that's fine because there is something to to learn from that spot as well and then asking myself different questions um for me, what works the best is sitting in silence, like being without distractions. It doesn't have to be a meditation. Um, it can be a walk in the forest, but without a phone and without music and without podcast even. <laughs> Just me and myself and my thoughts. And when there is nowhere to run in my head, then usually I can meet myself at a more personal level. And then the questions I should be asking myself come a lot of crying and journaling also a part of it as I said uh, being honest with yourself and allowing yourself to go through everything um and I love and what, then I, it goes up from there
0: <laughs> I love what you said then about the running when you don't let your mind run anywhere and that's so important for mm-hmm. people I think we've got so many ways to distract ourselves haven't we phones, computers, yeah. be a podcast, music. There's all, even our we know our watches now can distract us. And uh, I might, I've got an, yeah. an Apple Watch and I love it, but if I'm bored I can just check emails uh, even if I'm like in the swimming pool. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, having that time where there are no distractions. That's really uncomfortable for people. Now like, I don't know if you've noticed in in uh, in a yoga class, but like Savasana can be hard, especially at the end of class for some people. But Shavasana at the beginning, like if you begin in a Shavasana, that's really, really challenging Mm. for a lot of people Mm. because they're not physically prepared to be still and they have just come in from like the busy London streets and being still even for three minutes feels so unnatural, doesn't it?
2: It, Yeah, yeah, especially people living in cities. Um, Recently, I've been learning more about um, different yogic philosophy principles and thinking more about the three gunas. Um, for listeners who don't know what gunas are, it is a concept of, of qu- three different qualities that everything has. And there is set, there is one quality, tamas, which is the slow, lethargic one. Then rajas, which is the New York Stock Exchange mm-hmm. type of vibe. And then there is the sattvic quality, um, which could be a library, for example, something peaceful or a peaceful yoga studio. And when you are... And I I started observing these three gunas, these three qualities in my life. And through the music I listen to, through the even people I surround myself with, through the environment that I stay in and I live in a city, um, through the movies I watch, through the pace of my days, there's so much activation going. So for me, actually, Shavasana also is really hard. And now that you said that you would do it at the beginning of the class, I was like, that must be challenging. I think I would just be twitching the entire time and shifting because it is hard when we have complete opposite surrounding us and impacting us on everyday basis for most of the day. And mm. coming back to you live in the. Go on. No, carry on. If you're still talking, go for it. (laughs) Okay. Do you live in London? We we did.
1: We did. And we chose to move to the country, which is near my parents and a lot more greenery around, yeah, feeling a lot more peaceful, which is lovely. Um, But just coming back to what you were saying about journaling, because I know you've actually written a book, Date With Yourself, is that what it's called? And it's um, essentially a a journal that people can follow with guides and inspiration and, and journal themselves. So I'd love to know about your Um, journaling journey I suppose because I've sort of dipped in and out of it but I do find it such a powerful way to connect with myself and you said something so beautiful about how you've used it as a tool to connect with your past self but also create your future self and I thought that's so beautiful Mm -hmm. because it's also about sort of manifesting and stepping into what who you want to become Mm -hmm. and what you want to create so I'd love it if you could just talk a little bit about your journey with journaling and what it means to you
2: yeah thank you Um, journaling I would try to do it since I was little, because it was cool keeping a journal. I heard mo- many of my friends write, uh, telling me about how they write their journal and I would try to do it in the evening and I would just never be able to stick to that practice. So eventually I just gave up on it and abandoned it. Um, at that time, I would just want to journal about how my day went because I thought that's what you're supposed to do in a journal, just write down everything that happened. And then fast forward, I don't know, 10 years later, um, I was going through a period, that's when also my yoga practice started being more important for me, Um, but I was going through a period where I, it was challenging for me to stay grounded. Uh, I was all over the place in my head, very scattered thoughts, Um, anxieties were coming up, problems with sleep, insomnia, um and part of the practices i did that helped me to find my way back to myself and to clean up the mind space uh, because meditation was extremely hard i couldn't just sit and try to focus on one thing because the mind was so fast and so all over so i began to write and it didn't have beginning or an end it was just what was going through my head at a time and since my thoughts were focused on what I was writing I couldn't I had to think slower than I usually think I could only think as fast as I can write so uh, that's how it all started I noticed how it's like clearing cleaning my head tidying up my head space my mental space Um, and for a couple of years I would just do that Uh, it was not something I had to do in the evening to mark what happened on the day, but it was practice that I knew helped me to slow down my mind and to understand better what is going on within the head. And so there was more acute way of journaling being a help in, in states when you need to be helped. Mm-hmm. And then I found out that it can also be used as a tool for creation my of, of my future self, the self I want to become. and um yeah getting more into manifesting and visualizing and just making abstract ideas more tangible yeah you can imagine yourself being in a certain way or you can start to describe it and write down on paper um how you want to evolve how you want to grow and then it's one step closer to being tangible so it can be a very nice way of yeah manifesting bringing into material form that which uh Merely just an abstract concept and then of course understanding your past self so i journal uh, in combination with therapy i go to therapists on a regular basis and journaling is a practice that helps me to process things between the sessions or um, even dig deeper in a more organized way because even when you're thinking about the past it can be all blurry and and mixed up and difficult to understand. So journaling helps to um, have things more organized. And when things are more organized, you can understand them better. And then for me, it's important to have understanding of myself Mm -hmm. so that I can accept some things.
1: Just a quick practical one because I have so many journals over the years that just sat, you know, under the bed. And I think, oh, well, one day I'll go back and read them all. Do you keep all of your journals, or do you throw them away?
2: <laughs> I do keep them, but <laughs> I, I don't, I don't really read them. Yeah. <laughs> I think what was written just had to be written yeah. down. It had to be expressed. Um, maybe at some point I will read them, but uh, you know. I cringe a little
1: or <laughs> mm. you know. we'll just have a big bonfire like uh, yeah. a burning ceremony <laughs>
2: yeah but i don't know i don't know for some reason i'm still keeping them and i keep moving quite a lot and always there's a whole box of books and journals
0: <laughs> I, I imagine and i don't know this but i imagine if when you're writing a journal if you are thinking that you would read it in the future you would write things down in a very different way to what you would if you wanted to get things off your chest. And I think potentially the value of journaling is the act of just expressing your thoughts on paper, not actually needing to ever reflect on those words mm. again. I think that's part of the power. Would you throw yours away? And I just thought, it's, just thinking out loud, I don't, I loved at the beginning, you said all of your friends were journaling and it was cool. I think boys are so different. Yeah, boys are. I, ne- I never oh. heard of any boy journaling or doing a diary. It was not a cool thing when I, when I but even now though, I don't know the only men that I know that journal, I, I say that and actually one of my favorite men ever, Marcus Aurelius, wrote a journal mm-hmm. uh, you know, to a mm-hmm. degree. But typically most men I know don't write journals. And the, if they do, it's often like the five bullet journal, which is more like a practical productivity tool to push, your, you know, to push yourself forward in a commercial sense. And I wonder like if Putin wrote a journal, oh my God. would things be different now? <laughs> If, uh,
2: if, if men would journal... Well, if men, and, and beti- think... particularly
0: men like Putin, if, if he had a journaling practice, <laughs> would the world be in a different place? Oh, my uh, goodness. Hold, hold on,
2: can question. you repeat the, the, the last question? I didn't. <laughs> it for a bit.
0: Oh, it was more just, if someone like Vladimir Putin journaled... Oh, would... uh, Putin! Yes,
2: okay, yes, I didn't yes. get the name. I I like... The
1: accent is the Birmingham accent. <laughs> yeah.
0: Would the, world, would, would the world be in absolutely. a different place?
2: It would very much be a different place. Gratitude but, well, I like what you that you brought it up, men and journaling, because it is it it's thought to be a very feminine practice. It has this girly vibe, I would even say. But uh, I'm finding more and more people, uh, more and more men, uh, stepping or starting to practice journaling as well. Most of them, I must say, are from yoga slash self development slash spiritual community, mm. but some are coming from a very practical place, like my brother, for example, who um, is not a yoga practitioner or, um, you know, in in this community, let's say, but he found out that it is important for him to have a journal, it is more structured and practical, like you said. um, But also, I know that They create space for emotions within Mm. their journal as well. So not just organizing their life, but reflecting on how they felt. And that is a very important place, I think.
0: I think if if,
2: if to get more in touch with emotions.
0: If the average man started one, I think it could develop into that. I think initially it would be just I hate my boss. (laughs) Jack is an asshole. (laughs) And it would that would just be it. That would be the joke. But I think over time. That like Jack is an asshole. Be Jack is an asshole because they didn't respect my development as a human being. You know, it, it would develop. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I yeah. think even if to all men out there, even if your journaling is just starts off with a list of people you hate and people you <laughs> oh fancy, then it may develop over time into something more productive.
2: <laughs> yeah, important. it's just to start. Just like with yoga practice, you know, you start for whatever reason you want to be more fit or you want Mm. to learn a cool pose or you want to do whatever. But I believe that over time, whether you want it or not, the deeper Mm. aspects of practice are going to get to you and impact you.
0: Let's talk to that a little bit because I completely agree with that. Mm -hmm. And I think whatever you start doing yoga for, if if you do yoga solely because you want to do a handstand, that's fine. And if you journal because you want to make a list of the people you hate, that's fine. But as you say, the practice takes over. At some point, the journaling mm. practice takes over, and suddenly you're writing deep thoughts. Mm. Or the yoga practice takes over, and suddenly you are having a yeah. deep experience of self inquiry and don't really care about the handstands anymore. Mm. Let's talk about how has your practice evolved because you've got is your flex, like you've got massive range of motion, strength, and you've done yoga for a long time. But did, did that come also from a background in gym or dance, or was it just through long term yoga?
2: Um, I. So most of the flexibility came from, from yoga practice um, and also from my passion for contortion. So, but about it later, um, I come from a very sporty family. I used to be a tennis player for 10 years. So wow. for me, challenging my body physically to a big extent is something I'm used to. I've been doing it since I was five. So um Yeah, physical challenge is something I I like, and that's also what I looked for in yoga practice at the beginning, just exploring what the body can do. And I find it fascinating, and I find it a wonderful tool for uh, self-development as well, because when you overcome yourself, when you overcome your limitations on physical level, It opens the doors to overcoming yourself and your limitations on a more more personal level or mind level so that was my practice at the beginning lots of you know just fascination fascination with advanced asanas which um i still to this day portray on Mm -hmm. my instagram channel it is fun i love that practice i think it um that's yeah that's what i like to show people as a teacher that they can do more than they think they can do mm. it is possible and yeah just over what, time it shifted more into yeah
0: well it's just one thing on the advanced asanas just cuz i think sometimes people get negative reaction to doing advanced asanas mm-hmm. and i don't think that's fair like my view is that of course if someone who hasn't got a skillful practice, tries to replicate those poses, they might hurt themselves. Okay, like if you tried to replicate some of the things Dylan Werner does, and you didn't Mm -hmm. really know what you were doing, you'd probably hurt yourself. Mm -hmm. But it's the same with any movement. If I tried to do a backflip that a dancer did, I'd probably hurt myself. If I tried to do a skateboarding stunt that I saw, I'd probably hurt myself. If If I tried to do the 100 meter hurdles, I'd probably hurt myself you know and I think yeah. that's, that's just that's the case with everything and I think if your unique body can do those things in a safe way for you that is absolutely fine and that's cool mm-hmm. and it's nice to look at and those shapes are, are cool and aesthetic and some people might be inspired to get into the mat for the very first time because of those shapes so I just wanted to say that about yeah. advanced poses I think sometimes they get yeah People are critical, and I think that's unfair.
1: And I also really love what you were saying, because I've not really thought about it in this way before, that you can use your body and the asanas that you can create um, so beautifully to show people what they can do inside, internally as well, Mm. with their mind. And I've actually never thought of it that way, bizarrely, because it seems so obvious now that you say it. Um, Yeah, so that was really interesting. Thank you for sharing that.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and I agree with you, um, Adam, on what you said. I think when... uh, advanced asanas are being judged they're being taken out of context you know it's just taking things out of context and judging it as i don't know it just doesn't have the full Mm. full view of the whole thing and i think that happens more on social media it doesn't happen quite as much in yoga classes and in workshops even if i introduce an advanced asana and we work on it together with people. Um, if it's introduced as a step-by-step thing that we're working towards, and there is no need for perfection, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, then it's more accepted. But then, uh, when it's just an advanced asana on Instagram, then it's not yoga. And yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm over that. <laughs> I'm <not laughs> over that. Like, yes, it, people are judging it, but what I think is just taking things out of context. Mm. Of course, like there is so much to yoga, so. Yeah. This is not the only way to practice yoga. It can be yoga. It doesn't have to be yoga. It depends on the intention of the practitioner, um, how and why they are doing it.
1: Do you get much uh, judgment, backlash on social media? And if you do, how do you manage that?
2: Um, I must say, I have a very amazing community on Instagram. So there is not much, uh, not much judgment, not Good. much backlash. There is every now and then a person coming to me through DMS or through comments pointing out that um, I am not presenting yoga the way that yoga really is and that I'm not a real practitioner and just a flexible Mm. girl, Mm. etc, etc. But mostly, um, if I or when I receive some, some criticism 90% of the time, it's a constructive criticism. Mm. And there were many instances during the past seven or eight years on Instagram, when, especially when I share through Instagram stories, and I dive deeper into the topics that people show me what I don't see. Mm. And that that is good, although it can be a little, you know, hurtful for the ego, because uh, there is a tendency to think that when you as a person with big social media following and associating myself as a yoga teacher or describing myself as a yoga teacher, if I talk about some topics, I should be the expert. Mm-hmm. But it's important for me to remember that, yes, while I can be the expert, I can also be a student mm. and like, I don't have to be perfect. Yeah, that. And then Love it's that. good if I don't get attached to being perfect and I allow myself to make mistakes, then it's okay. and it That's works. the yoga practice right there, isn't
0: it? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah I
2: think... Big time.
0: Yeah. And there's all that difference between constructive <laughs> criticism and just being not that nice. Being an asshole. And my strategy is just block people. I've, I've blocked so <laughs> yes,
2: many people. Yeah. elite. <laughs> yeah. But it's also what I do. Like, if somebody's just being an asshole, then I'm like, okay, bye. Like, if you're going to slide into my DMs and tell me that my yoga practice is all about cute yoga pants and <laughs> working my butt then okay bye i like yeah i don't need you in the community Because
0: you do get that a lot that people say you know as you know this is oh obviously asana isn't the only pathway of yoga hmm. as you've said there's many pathways of yoga but most people in the west choose asana because it's quite accessible like meditation mm-hmm. is really unfamiliar you know kirtan is like what is that you know people get confused by kirtan. But yoga asana is accessible, so that's a vehicle we use. And but people say that 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 flexi- per- flexible person—that's not true yoga. But yeah, I follow, and I'm followed by so many accounts in India, and they're like, mm-hmm. so flexible. And there are so many kind of extreme poses. The only difference is the brand wearing isn't Lululemon. That's, that's the only difference. It's still full of yep. bendy poses <laughs> and big assists and legs behind the head and ankles everywhere and yoga competitions and yoga champions. There is there is all of that in all of the world. It's not just the West where there are, there is extreme yeah. flexibility.
2: Absolutely.
1: Uh, you say about surrounding yourself with positive people positive influences um and something you know that is difficult for people is having people in their lives that are draining on the energy Uh, and you know that could be maybe a friendship that isn't aligning anymore and you're clearly going in very different directions and every time you meet up maybe it's all about them and it's um you know it's draining on your energy so i think most people probably have people like that in their lives so what would be your kind of tactic to cutting them out, mm. as it were, <laughs> in a kind of mm-hmm. a way?
0: <laughs> and can you na- name name examples? Yes,
1: give all of your examples. <laughs>
2: um, for example... <laughs> yeah, I, I must say, I'm still learning that. I'm still learning that. Um, my tendency is to be more accept, accept, forgive, and please everybody. So I'm learning to set boundaries, and I'm learning to be more selective with who I let into my field and, and also learning to disappoint people and make Mm -hmm. people angry. I think that is a very important thing that helped me on this on this path, like being able to disappoint people without disappointing myself or without being mad at myself for disappointing people. Um, And also making people angry and not in a way, where you where you would on purpose want to irritate somebody because you want to screw up their day, but uh, just allowing yourself to be in a conflict mm. um, with a lot of integrity, because you know, you're standing up for yourself and for your values for something you believe in, you're protecting yourself. Um, so that would be some points uh practicing Mm. having uncomfortable conversations that is another big 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 practice i've been learning throughout my 20s because it is easier for me to run away from that which is uncomfortable and instead of setting a boundary with somebody and and telling them maybe how their their behavior um, is impacting you i would rather ghost them Mm. (laughs) 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 Delete. not an adult way of dealing with things but uh through little steps uh learning to have uncomfortable conversations uh with those around me uh with relationships that are maybe not as close but somewhat close that's a good practice ground mm. start practicing setting boundaries with people that are not as close to you but are in your everyday life mm. and then for me most challenging is doing that within the family or oh with the God, closest friends and yeah. with the, you know with the closest people um, sharing the uncomfortable things, setting the boundary, and re- like wanting to, um, like knowing that I ha- it is my responsibility to stand up for myself, and it is not my responsibility to take care of somebody's emotions. Mm. Of course, you want to communicate nonviolently. Book recommendation: Nonviolent Communication, really good book. Oh, thank <laughs> if you. If you want to learn more about that, um, but yeah. Without being a jerk, say what you need to say mm-hmm. and no, it's not your responsibility mm-hmm. to to deal or not to like to be yeah, you're not responsible for other people's and then you, emotions. You, they you are they're grown-ups as well. And you give them um permission then,
1: I guess, to have boundaries themselves. And also I think when you're making someone mm-hmm. else angry, you're kind of holding up a mirror and giving them an opportunity to To see sort of, oh, why am I being triggered by that? What needs to heal within Mm -hmm. me? Why am I getting so upset about that? I mean, maybe they're Mm -hmm. not on the path at all and that won't land Uh, with them. But
0: It made me just think of breakups. And let me just Mm -hmm. reverse back slightly. I think everyone in the modern world wants to be liked most of the time. Mm -hmm. And maybe with social media and the validation and the dopamine hits we get with the likes there, we apply that to our actual life. And we just want to be liked and want to please Mm -hmm. everyone. Mm -hmm. And we don't let people be angry at us, as you said. And that really applies mm-hmm. to breakups a lot. Like like yogis are really bad at breakups because they want to break up with someone <laughs> but equally want to be friends with them and want to be nice to them. And mm-hmm. that makes breakups mm. so harder. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's so much harder. And I think it's actually, you are letting someone be free and letting yourself be free if you let that person be angry at you. Because then you're not making false promises all the time or making promises actually you don't want to keep. Uh, and then they're also free to not like you, and then move on with their life mm. and find other friends mm-hmm. that they resonate with, and find other friends where then you're not a burden to them, etc. Or other relationships.
2: Oh. Mm-hmm. yeah, I agree. I agree with it. I think it goes hand in hand with just uh, accepting also the negative, like and know, knowing not everything has to be all the time good. Mm. Yes, it is absolutely it is fine for and we're not taught that are we in schools some time. and maybe it will get better through that and maybe it will not how what did you, you say
0: how do you manage student teacher relationship Cause i guess it might be harder for you because you're like a traveling teacher so you're likely to like live with lots of your students like on retreat centers etc they're more likely to you know get to sit with you at meals you know, compared to let's say a teacher who just mm. teaches in studios mainly like for me even you know I, although i do retreats and trainings et etc a lot of my interaction with students is very much, I'll see them in a class. Maybe I say hello to them, depending on how busy the class mm-hmm. is. Maybe I say goodbye to them. Maybe I don't speak to them at all. But that's a relationship yeah. I have. So, and so it's quite easy to have that student-teacher separation boundary. and boundary. And like the moustache helps and the, scary, <laughs> and the slightly scary face Doesn't and the heavy eyebrows kind of all. helps. <laughs> like no, no one comes and hugs me at the end of class and says, thank you. Uh, so like how do you, <laughs> how do you manage that student-teacher relationship and and not let the lines blur?
2: Mm. Again, I would say boundaries. Having the boundaries clear within myself. uh, For me, a big learning curve was and still is with retreats where I feel like mama, mama bear, taking care of everybody and knowing that my role ends at a certain point and it doesn't go beyond that. Like They're still their own people. They're adults. All of them are adults they're just fine taking care of themselves i don't need to do everything for them so realizing that um and letting myself know that it is fine to set a boundary so i even communicate um with students how and when they can they can come to me and talk to me um for example if there's a free time in a retreat let's say three four hours in the afternoon um I usually like to have that time for myself if I'm the solo facilitator of the retreat, of the retreat And I know the rest of the day, I'm there for the people. So I tell them during this period, um, I'm probably going to be in my room, or I'll go for a walk. And unless it's really something important, don't don't talk to me. <laughs> and if it's communicated like that, oh, people are people are fine, yeah. um, are just fine with that. And then knowing um what also what things they can deal with you or talk to you about and what things should be directed to somebody else so i'm there for for the yoga for the program um and for some personal if somebody wants to have a personal exchange also very open to that because i like to connect with people but if it's about a missing toilet paper (laughs) then it's not my responsibility you know like knowing like this is your responsibility that is not your responsibility Mm -hmm. so um that really helps setting boundaries and then um also having it figured out within myself so if i come to a class or to a retreat from a place of wanting to be liked and approved of everybody and wanting to figure out everybody's life problems and save everybody i think it just emanates a different energy than when i come there and i know where my role starts mm-hmm. and where it ends like this is what i'm here for um and also then during if people because sometimes people start uh, um confusing yoga teachers for their therapists mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. just also knowing like when to listen of course I want to hold space for you I want to listen because I care about you but if I see and when I see that it is going beyond a certain level certain point um, just being ready to uh, refer people to let's say a therapist Mm. and instead of me trying to give them life advice where I'm not qualified (laughs) to give them advice Mm.
0: yeah how do you do it? well yeah we were on a retreat recently and the rule was if i'm in the sauna don't talk to me basically <laughs> that's, that's my special place. boundary yeah <laughs> if i'm in the sauna do not even make eye contact <laughs> oh. but, some, but sometimes it's like if i'm doing mental programs it will be a case of you allow you can email me but maximum like two sentences at times <laughs> unless it's like a formal chat like you can't send me an essay that's one way i manage boundaries yeah. is you can ask me questions but two sentences and you tell people that more or less yeah yeah. like because because i just don't have (laughs) i don't have the space to manage but and we have designated calls where we can chat Mm -hmm. about long topics Mm -hmm. but i'm not there Mm -hmm. to answer big essays Mm -hmm. all the time you know that's one way i set boundaries i guess another one is like i'm quite guilty of asking questions all the time like if i'm in a taxi like i'll know the taxi driver's life story within 60 minutes it's
1: like interrogation yeah
0: (laughs) so holly falls asleep i ask questions (laughs) but i've learned to not do that (laughs) On retreats, because on retreats, if someone opens up to you and you get into that habit of asking questions, some, sometimes suddenly you're allowing someone to open up more and more and more and more, and that's not the right context mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. that. So I think it's, you know, if someone says to me, oh, well, this happened today, something bad. I'm like, oh, that's sad. And then <laughs> I just walk up, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. rather than be like, oh, tell me about it. How did it make you feel? So I think as, as yoga mm. teachers or space holders, it is important to be careful with the questions or follow-ups you choose to ask, and be prepared mm-hmm. for the consequences if you ask certain questions. Uh, you know, if someone mm-hmm. if, if someone says to you, you know, I've had a bit of a, a you know a a, bre- a, a hard breakup, and my family don't like them, don't ask how their childhood was. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you're going to go gonna down. It's going to be a rabbit hole. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're going to go down. <laughs> we are, we are almost out of time, so let's do a few little quick fires, if that's okay. Yeah,
1: little quick fires. Uh, I saw on your lovely Instagram that you run a Wisdom Wednesday session where you share inspirational quotes, mantras, wisdom of the week. Would you mind sharing
2: this week's with us,
1: if you can remember? Uh,
2: there was from Mandal Yoga World that I work currently with. I would have to. <laughs> I would have to remember what exactly they said, but I know it was a quote by Brené Brown. It was a quote by Brené Brown. I can get it up and... if that helps
1: you. Yes, please. Because I read it and I thought, oh, that's on the mark. Hang on, let's yeah. get it up. I, I
2: did not come up with those.
1: <laughs> oh, it's no. Mandela.
2: Sarah.
1: Here mm. we go. So, Brené Brown. I love Brené Brown. So much wisdom. Yeah. She says, oh, no. It's dissip- oh, here we go. The willingness to show up changes us. It makes us a little braver each time lovely
2: yep yep Mm -hmm. thank you Brene. i agree what she said
0: (laughs) 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 what is a practice beyond yoga that grounds you and brings you home
2: uh cooking oh cooking what yeah favorite dish whatever porridge like whatever from the scratch you know and whatever just creating that environment in my kitchen where i'm not cooking for the like functionally like i need to eat now so i cook but more i'm taking this time to to touch the ingredients to mix the ingredients and to connect through all of my senses with the process of creating food
0: do you host dinner parties
2: uh sometimes sometimes (laughs) small ones uh my roommate and (laughs) and her boyfriend and my boyfriend hang out or yeah not big dinner parties but i like to cook
0: Nice. I, like. I see you've got that typical European like flat with a really high ceiling.
2: I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I'm jealous of that. We, uh, I, I can't do handstands check. in our house. Uh,
1: really? <laughs> you've got dirty ceilings.
0: Yeah, little ceilings.
2: Foot, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This ber- is an old apartment.
0: Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Uh, I think that's it. I think just tell us now about anything you have, where to find you and what you have on offer in the next little while.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, so you can find me on Instagram. <laughs> that is a nice place, but uh, also on my website, Sarah Ticha, S-A-R-A-T-A-C-H-A. Stop there. I, I
0: just how you said your. I didn't know how to say your name. Say your surname one more time. I was like Ticha,
2: Ticha. Uh, it yeah. It, so originally it would be Ticha. ticha. That's the yeah, that's how I would pronounce it in Czech Republic or Slovakia. Ticha. Which actually means silent. Ah. Sarah <laughs> silent. Oh, so so <laughs> Ticha, uh, but yeah, Ticha, <laughs> uh, Tisha, teacher <laughs> had to let go. All, all are good. I, Yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> yeah. So, but originally it's Sarah Ticha. It's how my name sounds in Saratija. in my country. But yes, Sarah Ticha. And on my website, you can find. Everything that I offer, so I have an online platform and an app where you can practice with me. There are on-demand classes. There are live stream classes every week. There's an online course. Um, I have teachers' trainings focused more on continuing education trainings or also 200-hour foundational teacher training. I host them throughout the year Um, within Europe. yeah, usually five day long or so and they are my favorite experiences are my favorite things to do um, i host retreats there's going to be one retreat this year uh, in ibiza and other than that i have a newsletter and i'm really passionate about writing and writing a newsletter is possibly the highlight of my week mm-hmm. <laughs> always so if you wish you can sign up for my newsletter it comes out every monday i uh, can sign up through my website and it's I think it's especially valuable for, for yoga teachers um, or for serious yoga practitioners because I get a little bit deeper into a, a different topic each time. So I think that's where you can find me and on your podcast now. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Thank Honestly, you s- <laughs> I'm balanced. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank Honestly, you. See balance. Thank-